Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder, any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome to another solo episode in which I want to answer the million dollar question How do you stay motivated? I'll admit, in the past, I answered this question in a way that I now feel is incomplete. I would say motivation waxes and wanes, so I've tried to build habits, and that's what keeps me consistent. It's the discipline of following these habits. And while I strongly believe that building habits is key to success, That answer implies that motivation is useless beyond the initial stages of a new experience when you're super excited and motivated to carry on those behaviors. So today, I want to answer the question, how do you stay motivated? By first and foremost, helping you better understand motivation, the different types, and how we can increase our motivation. And uh, you probably won't be surprised, but I went straight to science for this. I actually quite like the science of goal achievement, goal setting, and motivation. So uh, this is going to be a really fun podcast for me to record. To start with, I looked into the definition of motivation. And Theo Lim and Lai in 1999, or maybe Tao Lim and Lai. I never know how to pronounce uh, foreign names, so I apologize. I'm sure all of these researchers are listening to the podcast, therefore I apologize to all of them in advance if I mispronounce one of their names. Anyway, Tao Lim and Lai in 1999 defined motivation as the performance of an activity because it is perceived to be instrumental in achieving valued outcomes. A second definition by Johnson & Johnson in 2003 is that motivation may be defined as the degree to which individuals commit effort to achieve goals that they perceived as being meaningful and worthwhile. So the common denominator to these two definitions is valued outcomes slash goals perceived to be meaningful and worthwhile. In other words, motivation is tied to goals. Therefore, the first and most important way to increase your motivation is ensure that you're setting the right type of goal to maintain your own motivation. And lucky for you, just a couple of weeks ago, I released a new blog post titled A Comprehensive Guide to Successful Goal Setting. And For that reason, I'm not going to go into the specific details of how to set effective goals for yourself because you can simply click on the link in the show notes and access the article yourself. But I will briefly summarize the five key factors to effective goal setting. 
First and foremost, you want to focus more on approach goals and mastery goals instead of avoidance goals and performance goals. In summary, approach goals are goals that focus on achieving success, whereas avoidance goals are goals focusing on avoiding failure. For example, an approach goal would be, I want to eat more protein. So success would be eating more protein. Whereas an avoidance goal could be, I don't want to eat quote unquote junk food, where failure is eating junk food. And mastery goals, on the other hand, are goals that focus on the learning process of mastering a skill, whereas performance goals are focusing more on outperforming other people or even yourself, for example, by winning a competition. I do want to make an important distinction. I believe that avoiding avoidance goals and prioritizing solely approach goals is likely a better approach. Whereas with mastery and performance goals, I don't necessarily believe that you need to completely avoid performance goals, but I would definitely make mastery goals the core focus of your goal setting process. And that's the first key factor. The second key factor to successful goal setting is to choose goals that are in line with your values. And the two definitions of motivation I've just read out to you confirm my belief that this key factor is so important because they both identify the goals that we are motivated to pursue as being meaningful, worthwhile, and valued to us. So if your goals don't truly align with your values, and it can be difficult to identify your values and really choose pertinent goals, then you won't be motivated to chase those goals. For example, if you set a goal of fat loss because the doctor told you to, but you don't truly value the outcome, then you're not going to be motivated to pursue it just because you want your doctor's approval. The third key factor is to set realistic expectations because you're going to get demotivated if you set excessively high expectations, but equally, you will get demotivated if your expectations are too low. You need to be able to strike the balance between these two extremes. And often relying on a professional, like a coach in, in the area of fitness, that can explain to you what realistic expectations truly are, can be instrumental in achieving this outcome of setting realistic expectations for yourself. The four key factor to effective goal setting is to use a goal hierarchy. And the goal hierarchy that I really, really like, I've actually already covered in, if I'm not mistaken, it would have been episode two of these podcasts. And I covered that goal hierarchy in the context of fat loss, but it can be applied to any type of outcome that you want to achieve. And uh, briefly, that goal hierarchy includes superordinate goals, which are quite vague. They are the most broad in scope, and they are related to your identity and to your values. It could be, I want to get healthier. That could be a superordinate goal. And this type of goal is the foundation for the other two types on the hierarchy. The second type being intermediate goals, which are more precise, 
and less vague, and they relate to the um, superordinate goal. For example, if your superordinate goal is I want to get healthier, an intermediate goal could be I want to lose 30 pounds to get healthier. And finally, the subordinate goals are the most specific and the shortest term. These are the daily or weekly behaviors that you need to perform in order to achieve the intermediate goal first, and as a result, the superordinate goal. So if the intermediate goal is I want to lose 30 pounds, the subordinate goal in relation to diet could be I am going to eat in a caloric deficit most days. And in relation to training, it could be I'm going to go to the gym and lift weights three days per week. The final key factor to effective goal setting is accountability. Having a support system, whether that's through a coach, family, friends, or a combination of all of these, is truly fundamental for you to be able to more easily achieve your goals. It makes the process smoother compared to trying and go solo with no accountability, no support, and perhaps even friction coming from other people in your life that are not supportive of your goals. So that's the TLDR version of my article on effective goal setting. If you combine these five key factors, I believe that you are going to be able to create goals to set goals for yourself that are going to help you feel motivated to achieve them. And now we've also covered the definition of motivation, but this was a very broad definition. We still need to delve a bit more deeply into the details of what motivation is and how we can enhance it beyond simply setting motivating goals. And before I start, Essentially, all of the research I looked into for this segment of the podcast was um, written and conducted by Ryan and I think it's pronounced Desi or Desai. It's spelled D-E-C-I. And uh, these two researchers have done an incredible amount of work in the area of self-determination theory and uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. So you find a link to the main articles that I read myself in the show notes. But if you're interested in learning more from them, you can simply Google their names. Moving on, as I've uh, literally just mentioned, there are two categories of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, which I am sure you are most of you, at least, dear listeners, will be familiar with. Intrinsic motivation, according to the classic definition, refers to doing something because it is inherently interesting or enjoyable. And here I'm quoting from intrinsic and extrinsic motivations, classic definitions, and new direction, written by Ryan and Desai in 2000. Whereas the classic definition of extrinsic motivation, so as reported in the paper, is doing something because it leads to a separable outcome. Now, if you're familiar with these two definitions, you might also have heard people say that intrinsic motivation is better than extrinsic motivation. And 
while I'm not completely disagreeing, I do believe that this view is a little limited and I want to expand upon that. So first and foremost, intrinsic motivation is the type of motivation that spurs you to do something for the sake of the activity in and of itself. You enjoy that activity and that's what motivates you to do it. You don't need any other incentive. And the reason why intrinsic motivation seems to be so effective in helping people pursue goals is that it is internal. It is related to your identity, your values, but also three psychological needs that have been found to be paramount in what's called the process of self-determination which is essentially the process by which you control your own life. On the other hand, extrinsic motivation is usually considered worse, in quotation marks, than intrinsic motivation because extrinsic, ext, um, has the same root as external. So extrinsic motivation is motivation that comes from wanting to achieve an external outcome. However, as I was saying, I believe that simply stopping at intrinsic motivation is better is a bit of a limited view because there are actually multiple types of extrinsic motivation. At least Ryan and Desai, or Desi, I really don't know how to say that, I'm sorry, have identified four different types that exist on a spectrum from a more internally regulated type of extrinsic motivation to a more externally regulated type. And I'm sure you can already glean from these terms that the more internally regulated type of extrinsic motivation is the most similar to intrinsic motivation, whereas the more externally regulated type of extrinsic motivation is uh, the least similar to intrinsic motivation and likely the least helpful in uh, enabling you to stick to your goals long enough to achieve them. And what the more internally regulated types of extrinsic motivation have in common with intrinsic motivation is that they share the ability to satisfy the need for autonomy with autonomy being one of the three psychological needs that self-determination theory has identified as paramount to enhancing intrinsic motivation. These three psychological needs are competence, relatedness, and autonomy. Competence is the feeling that you have the skills needed for success. Relatedness is the feeling of closeness and belonging to a social group. If you don't have connection with a social group or an individual, it's more difficult to achieve self-determination because then you'd lack access to help and support, which again circles back to my article where accountability is one of the key factors I identified in the process of setting effective goals. Finally, the need for autonomy is the, fe the feeling that you have choice in what you're doing. You are choosing to pursue a certain behavior. So based on self-determination theory, if you want to increase your intrinsic motivation, then you need to engage in activities that satisfy these three needs for competence, relatedness, and autonomy. 
As for extrinsic motivation, again, I don't think you absolutely need to avoid it. And if you are currently extrinsically motivated, then you need to be to feel down on yourself or to beat yourself up for it. But you want to try to achieve the most internally regulated type of extrinsic motivation, which is called integrated regulation. And when you are extrinsically motivated by this type of motivation called integrated regulation, which is a really fancy scientific term to define a type of extrinsic motivation where you're still motivated to engage in a certain action because you want an external outcome other than the actual action. So this isn't intrinsic motivation. However, you are motivated to perform this action because you truly believe that it is instrumental to achieve that ulterior outcome that you have. Whereas more externally regulated types of extrinsic motivation are based on the idea that you're performing a certain activity, not because you believe it's helpful to achieve the ulterior outcome, but because you're afraid of someone else's judgment. For example, you do your homework, not because you truly believe that it's going to help you in your future academic uh, slash professional career, but because you're afraid that your parents are going to be angry at you if you don't. Another type of slightly more internally regulated extrinsic motivation, but it still doesn't really satisfy the need for autonomy, is when you're motivated to do a certain task to avoid your own guilt or anxiety about it. So in a way, you're controlled not by your own self, but by your own negative emotions and your own fear of negative emotions. And that's why it doesn't satisfy the need for autonomy. You're not making that choice because you truly value the outcome that pursuing that behavior is going to result in, but because you're afraid of your own negative feelings. So that's a wrap on the theory. In summary, in order to stay motivated, first and foremost, you need to set motivating goals. And I've covered briefly how to do that, but you can also read my article for a much longer and detailed explanation on how to do that. Secondarily, you want to better understand the types of motivation, and ideally you would want to achieve intrinsic motivation, which is you would want to find an activity that you are motivated to do for its own sake, because you enjoy it, because it's in line with your values and with your sense of identity. But if you are extrinsically motivated, that could still be helpful, as long as you do your best to achieve the type of extrinsic motivation called integrated regulation, where you're pursuing the action for the sake of a different outcome, not for the sake of the action in and of itself, and because you decide that, it, that you value this particular action and you truly understand that it is instrumental to achieve your goal. It's not because you're afraid of someone else's judgment and it's not because you're trying to avoid negative emotions. Now, I want to give you a practical example. If you have followed me and my content for any length of time, you might have noticed that I never skip a training session and I track my own food, my body weight, all of my data really consistently. So you might think that I've always loved being active and um, 
have always had an interest in healthy eating. But actually, when I was a child, I grew up playing a variety of sports, and I kid you not, I absolutely hated it. As far as I can remember, the first type of physical activity I was ever involved in in a regimented way was swimming when I was three years old. And it was literally only because my parents thought that being active was healthy. They didn't have a scientific background in fitness or anything of that nature. They simply had been taught that, so they wanted me, and then when my brothers were born, my brothers as well, to be active in some kind of way. So they essentially signed me up for swimming, and I hated swimming so much. Then I also played volleyball for six years, I did judo for two years, I did a year in the gym with a crappy program written to me for free by a personal trainer, pro tip, Pay your personal trainers if you want a really good program that's personalized to you and not cookie cutter. Don't expect quality work for free. Anyway, I did a year in the gym, found it really boring. I took a year completely off all kinds of physical activity and eventually started running because after a year I was like, I've been sitting on my ass for the past year and it's not been feeling really good. So I got into running, primarily for the purpose of weight loss. Then I did a year of um, kickboxing to music, which I absolutely adored, actually. And then went back into running when I moved to the UK. And finally uh, got into weightlifting, which is my greatest passion right now, particularly hypertrophy-specific lifting for bodybuilding purposes. And it's been my greatest passion fitness-wise. I have other passions in other areas of life for the last four years and counting at this point. But the point is, when I was a child and a teenager, I hated playing sports. I was literally only extrinsically motivated and I was engaged in the most externally regulated type of motivation. One, my parents forced me to go. So my extrinsic motivation was I can't not do what my parents say. And then as a teenager, my extrinsic motivation was weight loss. So how did I go from hating exercise and not really being interested in healthy eating at all? I ate what I wanted, when I wanted, and I really didn't care much for it until I took a vested interest in weight loss. So how did I go from that to being as consistent as I am now? First and foremost, I have found an activity that I am intrinsically motivated to perform. I love training. I love lifting weights. And I love tracking my nutrition, my body weight, all of my data. I love collecting this information, interpreting it, creating a plan for myself and also for my clients in my work as a coach. These are all activities that I enjoy because it is simply part of my personality. I love systems, I love plans, I love data. And this intrinsic motivation is also strongly correlated to a goal that I find to be extremely motivating for me at the moment, which is to sculpt and build my physique to the best of my abilities and to the extent that my genetics allow. Moreover, circling back to self-determination theory, these activities also satisfy my needs for autonomy, relatedness, and competence in the following ways. First and foremost, I make all of these decisions 
for myself. So whether I lose body fat or I gain muscle or I stay at maintenance, whether I track my calories or not, whether I go to the gym or not, it is all within my control. And that's where the autonomy part comes in, which isn't to say if I had a coach, I would be giving this autonomy to somebody else. Because in the end, if you have a good coach, and that's what I strive to do for my clients, your coach is only going to guide you. All of the decisions ultimately always rest with you. Secondarily, I found a community through this passion of mine. I listen to a lot of bodybuilding podcasts. I go to fitness-related events. I connect with uh, bodybuilders, other coaches, other fitness enthusiasts on social media. These are all ways in which I can satisfy my need for relatedness and I feel like I belong somewhere. Last but not least, in the process of changing my body composition by increasing muscle mass and reducing body fat, I am proving to myself that I can actually do it. I have the skill to accomplish all of these different transformations and that speaks to my need for competence. And that's why I am intrinsically motivated to pursue my bodybuilding goals. However, I am also motivated extrinsically, but I've been able to achieve the the integrated regulation type of internally regulated extrinsic motivation, whereby I know that even the behaviors that I don't particularly like are going to help me achieve my goal of sculpting my physique to the best of my abilities. For example, I find training biceps really boring because it comes down to just bicep curls. The biceps perform elbow flexion. That's it. So really only bicep curls train them appropriately. Because of the lack of variety, I find this type of training quite boring. But I still do bicep curls because I know that they're going to help me build my biceps, which is related. It's part of my physique. And my ultimate goal is to sculpt my physique, at least right now, to the best of my abilities. So I do bicep curls anyway. And that's a case study on myself on how intrinsic and extrinsic motivation can work. But what I also would like you to take away from this case study is two more practical applications of these concepts that can really help you, at least based on my experience, enhance your motivation. The first one I call motivation stacking. Just so you know, I made up this term, so it's trademarked by me. And it's based on the concept of habit stacking that's described in Atomic Habits by James Clear, which if you haven't read it, I recommend it. Motivation stacking basically involves attaching actions that you're only extrinsically motivated to do to do to other actions that you're intrinsically motivated to do. So since you're intrinsically motivated to do action A, if you attach action B to action A, you're definitely going to perform action A, and as a result, you're also going to increase your chances of performing action B. So as a practical example, if you're intrinsically motivated to lift weights because you love it and uh, it's going to help you achieve a goal that's in line with your values, but on the other hand, you're super bored of doing cardio, make sure that whenever you go to the gym, you do your lifting first and then your cardio second. Don't try to do cardio on a separate day. 
Because if you do, then there's a much lower chance that you're actually going to do it. Or using uh, my example of me not liking bicep curls, I don't do an arm day just for biceps and triceps because I would be much less likely to do it because I don't like training my biceps. So instead, I schedule my bicep training together with training bigger body parts that I care about a lot more so that when I go to the gym, I train those body parts and then I also train my biceps. And the second practical application that I think can help you is building habits. As I said at the beginning, I do believe that building habits is going to be paramount to achieving a lifestyle transformation because motivation waxes and wanes. It's not always constant. You're not going to be as motivated as you might be at the beginning of a new experience. You Sometimes you might not be motivated at all. Sometimes you might be less motivated, but still somewhat motivated. Basically, motivation works with peaks and troughs, right? It's not a straight line. And for this reason, you can't rely on it alone. You need to support it with habits. In particular, at the onset of something new, you are ready for change. And change in and of itself is exciting. But when change becomes routine, that's when motivation tends to decrease. Cool. That's when habits become so important. So in and of itself, building habits isn't necessarily going to increase your motivation, but it's going to help you support a lack of motivation or lower levels of motivation. Because if you're used to going to the gym three times per week, even if you're not really in the mood for it, you're so used to scheduling it into your week going to the gym, spending some time there, you know your exercises, you're confident that you can do them well, you're much more likely to do it even if you're not in the mood for it. However, building habits is a complex topic that deserves a whole podcast in and of itself. So I will cover it another time. For now, this is a wrap on how you can stay motivated. And I hope that this gives you a new understanding of what motivation is and how you can harness it in your own fitness journey. Thank you very much for listening as always. As per usual, all of my links are in the show notes below. Do not hesitate to reach out via Instagram, Facebook, email. Email me at fittotransform at gmail.com anytime. DM me on social media. I'm super happy to answer any question or comments. I am very chatty. In case you haven't noticed, I can record entire podcasts talking to myself. So clearly I am very, very chatty. And I would love to hear from you. With that said, until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.